Welcome to the Attractions Group Podcast. My name is Ryan Sir. With me, as always, is Don Helbig. Don, how are you doing today? You know, I'm doing great, Ryan. It's, uh, you know, been a good week and just, uh, you know, excited about the 4th of July holiday weekend and spending time with family and some cookouts and, and uh, you know, hard to believe we're at midsummer. Already. I know. We're coming up on it. Yeah. So, um I've got uh, I've got two two life announcements for you, Don, and I didn't even tell you about this. Honest to God, audience, I did not tell Don about this off camera. Number one, I became a coffee drinker over the past week. Uh, what? Yeah, be- I, I gave up the a coffee. Yeah, drinker. I gave up the Coke Zero because um, my I, I went for my routine visit, and I was telling, oh yeah, I drink five or six Coke Zeros a day, and he's like, you know, you're gonna have a stroke, right? So I've been drinking coffee and and that, I- no, wait, time out. That's a myth about that because i have been drinking i don't know on average six to ten cans of whether it's mountain dew diet mountain dew coke coke zero okay okay l- uh, for l- over l- 40 years so if i've not had a stroke yet that's a if problem. he hasn't then you won't either no uh so it's full disclosure um so the coke zero is part of it also uh, uh i've been having sleeping issues and the way i've been compensating for it was with the little five hour energies and i was taking like three of those a day uh, so I cut those. That's when he said, like, you're probably going to have a stroke if you continue that. Um, and then it okay. went on to like, well, I also supplement that with Coke Zero. And they were like, and he's like, well, you know, artificial dyes and stuff just aren't good for you in that amount. So uh, took up coffee. It's, uh, you know, it has its downfalls, but it's a little bit better for you. Did, did you ever drink coffee before this? I've had it, first I've time had it before, that? but this is the first time when it's like, I'm tired. I need coffee. You know, like a basic, uh, anyway. Um, so yeah, so drinking a lot of the, the, you know, the water and stuff, I feel a lot better. You know, mm-hmm. I think that, um, well, I, I do agree that it would be much better to, you know, really drink a lot of water and, and less of the, of the soft drink. So we're on the same page with that. And I need to take a look at that myself. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, and I think part of the reason why I was like tired all the time is because I was dehydrated because I was drinking five hour energy and Coke zero all day and not really mm-hmm. supplementing it with water. Uh, so the other announcement and Don, you're going to be mad that I didn't tell you about this, but I am the newest, not, not the newest, but one of the newest Disney AP members now. Really? Yeah, That's I great. AP. When did you when when did you do Yesterday. that? And what inspired that decision? Uh, my girlfriend made me. She <laughs> she you know what you know what's funny is uh she's never been there. I've been there several times, uh not in the last five or six years, but um she's wanted to go down so badly and stuff and um you know, just yesterday she was like, Well, you know, I'm thinking about getting the AP and I was like, That's a lot of money. And um so we did it. But if you go enough, well, okay. So enough, here's the it's thing: a tremendous value. Yeah, it, it is a tremendous value because it's very expensive to go. Um, but we actually are gonna. We have this big trip planned for September where we're gonna try to go to Horror Nights, probably a day at Universal, mm-hmm. and then several days at Disney. And we we're like, well, that's not enough. So we uh, we actually booked uh, for her birthday weekend coming up in July. We're gonna head down there, uh, and we're gonna do four days, one park each day. So we're flying in. Um, one morning and then um gonna do i think we're doing like magic kingdom the first day because it's open latest and we don't fly until like two uh so magic kingdom then hollywood studios then epcot and then on the monday which is her birthday we're gonna do animal kingdom uh and that's mainly because that closes the earliest and we fly out that night um so that's really exciting we'll have a lot to talk about with that of course plenty of shorts and YouTube yeah stuff. well you know, now you've kind of inspired me to look at that because, you know, being a big Disney fan myself um, would be a bad investment. You know, you just need to make sure that, uh, you know, the time is there to go either an extended period. Like if you're there for, you know, four or five days, like you're going to be, mm-hmm. or you break it down where you go, you know, two, three, four times a year, you know, shorter trips, weekend trips, that kind of thing. And, you know, I know several people that, uh, you know, they go down once a month, they leave on a Friday night, they spend Saturday, part of the day Sunday, and they come back Sunday night, um, you know, with the annual pass. And it's, like I said, it's tremendous value. I, 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 congratulations on that. Well, thanks. I, I've got a friend that, um, is a is an ap and she uh has like tuesdays off she's like a four-day week or something and she'll fly in in the morning go to disney and fly back and get back at like two in the morning and still show up to work at seven o'clock the next morning when i was her age i probably could have done that i'm 40 years old now not doing that (laughs) in fact even for this trip i'm taking an extra recovery day off of work i'm taking the the following uh tuesday off and i'm not going back till wednesday 
Well, I'm unfatigable, so I think I could pull that off doing it once, you know, leaving in the morning, coming back at night, and being ready to go to work. You know, it's, um, I, I think with Disney, I'd be so excited and stuff that I could probably make it work a couple times. But I remember when I was like 21, 22 years old, I would drive four hours to Cedar Point in the morning, like leave at six, get to Cedar Point at opening, and then stay till 10 and then drive back, get home at like 2 a.m., 3 a.m. And I just, I think that would be dangerous for me nowadays. Like, first of all, getting up at uh, oh, yeah. leaving at six, that, that's tough, <laughs> you know. Yeah, but uh, you're going to have so much fun with that. And, you know, look forward to hearing about uh, your visits. And we'll talk about that here on the podcast. Sure. But, you know, uh, you know, you can find us, the Attractions Group Podcast, on your favorite uh, podcast streams. You can follow us on Twitter. It's at attractions underscore GRP. You can also um, hear us on YouTube, watch us on YouTube. Be sure to subscribe. Uh, you know, the more subscribes we have, you know, the, the more Ryan and I are going to be able to do in the future. We're really looking forward to having a lot of uh, new, innovative ways uh, to do this podcast, including doing some things uh, from locations, you know, live at a park or, you know, somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And I think that's going to be a lot of fun, too. But we also maybe have a show where, you know, you're firing in the questions live, just different things like that. So uh, the show is going to involve and uh, for it to evolve, we need you to subscribe. Yep. Excellent. But uh, forget about Disney. That's like a month away. What do we got going on today, Don? Well, Ryan, you know, we've talked many times on the podcast about uh, just kind of the evolution of the dining experience at parks throughout the industry. Uh, but one of the things that's kind of, you know, flown under the radar is how good the merchandise has become at parks. And I know that's, uh, you know, something that you're very interested in. Um, you know, our topic tonight was kind of uh, inspired by seeing something that you had posted on social media or fan site. Or so I just remember, you know, something that you had bought some Phantom Theater uh, merchandise at Kings Island. Yeah. And I thought, you know, that'd be a great topic to to talk about. So here we are. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, now, to be clear, have you seen the merchandise yet? Have you been out in the park to, to actually oh, yeah. see it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I uh, I was a little hurt that you didn't tell me about this, and I had to hear it from a friend. But um, th this is just one example. Uh, but I actually bought um, this is for Phantom Theater Encore, the show, not just Phantom mm -hmm. Theater, but. So check this out. So it's got, for those of you audio listeners, I'm showing a light blue t-shirt with the Phantom, like the Maestro on the front. It's the old classic Phantom Theater logo. He's holding his, um, that stick the, the directors carry, his baton, wand, I don't know. And then on the back, it actually has the more modernized logo, which is the Phantom Theater Encore logo. So it's the Maestro in front of uh, the big organ. It's got Helga Bovine and, you know, and and so on. So really, really cool stuff. I actually have bought, there's four, I or there's, there's five items, I think. There's a water bottle, which I have not yet gotten. There's a cappuccino cup, which I did buy. I just didn't want to carry it over here because I was afraid I'd drop it and break it since I was going to be showing stuff off. Um, there's like a purple tie-dye shirt that just has like the logo on the front. Um, there's the shirt that I just showed you. It's a t-shirt with Phantom Theater on the front and Encore on the back. And there's a hoodie, which is similar to the t-shirt with Phantom Theater on the front and, uh, Phantom Theater Encore on the back. So really, really cool. I, I, for me, it's not just the fact that I love Phantom Theater and I love Phantom Theater Encore. It's the fact that you hardly ever see merchandise for shows <laughs> at seasonal parks. Would you agree with that? Yeah, you never do. Uh, the only place I really have, you know, can remember seeing it is is Dollywood. You know, some of the shows that they have that are staples. But uh, yeah, I mean, that's a tremendous idea. You know, shows do develop a following, and it's great to see that fans of those shows can buy merchandise now. Yeah, I agree. And speaking of Dollywood, Dollywood has some of the most random merchandise, which is just awesome. Um, they've got. Uh, a, a shirt for their cinnamon bread, which sells very well because I see it both in and out of Dollywood. Is that the one that says I just came for the cinnamon bread? Yes. So it's both a shirt and a fact. Um, right. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So it's got, it's got the, the, you know, it's got the cinnamon bread shirt. They've got, I saw that in the general store uh, in um, Blacksmith Alley. Is that what they call it? Black, mm -hmm. Yeah. It, you, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, and oh, I was yeah, like, exactly oh, that's so that. random. They've got a shirt for their, uh, for their cinnamon bread. And then right next to it, I noticed they had a shirt for the random shop I was in. Like this general store is not like a big store, you know, but they've got a G Dollywood general store t-shirt, which is really cool. Now I want to tell you this Dollywood. I know you're listening. You sell a shirt that's for a butterfly pretzel. 
And I've tried so hard to find that and nobody seems to know anything about it. I've tried looking online to see if I could find any leads. Do you know what I'm talking about? You know, I've seen the shirt, but I have never seen it in a store when I'm a dollar. Yeah. Year. So, um, so it has to exist. No, right? it definitely. I, I remember it. seeing it at some point. Maybe they just discontinued it, but then why sell the shirt? Anyway, um, but uh, so, uh, you know, what we went the second weekend they were open, which was during the um, uh, the celebration of the 50th anniversary of I Will Always Love You, the, Do the Dolly Parton song. And we asked around and what we were told was that sounds like something that would come out for the spring celebration. So wait till then. So spring celebration went back. We saw Big Bear. We saw a lot of topiaries, no pretzels. Now they have pretzels, but just not in the shape of butterflies. So, well, I'll be on the lookout for it in a few I, weeks when I go yeah, down there. I so, want you to report uh, back you know. live as a news feed if you find that. And this is officially lodging my complaint to Dolly Partner herself. I really want to try one of those pretzels. So we'd love to see it. But um, yeah, so, uh, so I mean, here's the thing. For me and probably for you, stuff that's like obscure uh, is, is usually like what attracts me, you know, like I almost bought the t-shirt for the general store because like, how cool is that? But from the standpoint of like industry wide, would you say that the, the appeal is definitely more there for, you know, your big attractions and, and things like that? Like what, why are we not seeing more clothing for shows? Exactly. Like I said, uh, you know, there are big time fans of these shows. That's the only reason they go to the park is to watch these shows. So if you have a, a shirt for your marquee, you know, rides, why wouldn't you have, you know, shirts for the shows? Now, the one thing about a lot of these shows, sometimes they're only there for a year, maybe two, maybe three. Uh, but if there's something that's you know, going to be there like Dollywood has their shows this year after year that are there. Uh, you see some of those same things at a Disney park, uh, maybe Universal. You know, why wouldn't you have the merchandise? But if you know something's going to, it's real popular, you know, sometimes you don't know until the middle of the summer. And then maybe it's a one-year run, so it's too late to get the, the product in. But if it's going to come back the next year and you know that, you know, why wouldn't you stock up and, and uh, you know, have those items available for those fans? Yeah, I mean, so I, I see where you're coming from with that. So when we're talking about this, um, I know that typically for seasonal parks, it's usually a one to two year run. Um, so is it? Do you think that it's too hard to gauge if their shows will be popular enough I to think, demand something like that? I think you'd want to talk to people, um, you know, at the park, especially longtime people. Um, you know, if you're especially for tying it into a, a something that had been at the park a long time ago, there's that you know historical references or something like that, and just get a feel a little bit about how popular you think that show's going to be, and uh, then you could, um, you know, go ahead and you know, based on what you're hearing from your your you know your staff members there, uh, people that you work with that uh, know the guest real well. You know, then you kind of go off of that. But I think a lot of times it's just kind of, you know, you don't have an unlimited budget. You know, you only have so much and you're going to go with the for sure things over, well, we think this might work. Uh, you know, if you're a park that's open year round, you can gamble a little bit more on that. So you got to make sure that it's going to work. But uh, there's certain things that you just know are going to hit. You know, and you mentioned a show like Phantom Theater, you have merchandise now for it. But uh, in my mind, there was no question that was going to be a mm -hmm. hit. And I'm glad to see that there's merchandise this year for it. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, obviously there's you know, conversations behind closed doors or, or behind closed doors for a reason, but I imagine that there was probably a separation. It was probably entirely by age. Why everybody over the age of 35, maybe 30 knew it was going to be a hit. Everybody under that age was like, people won't care because they don't have the nostalgia for it. But I guarantee you that everybody that's, you know, over 30 or 35 and, you know, at least Kings Island's market would, yeah, I know what Phantom Theater is. Yeah, I'd see the live show version of it. There, I mean, but uh, yeah, I mean, lesson learned. And here we are uh, halfway through the summer of the second season of it. And now you're getting the merchandise and kind of shows you where, first of all, supply chains are and how quickly you can get the stuff. And it kind of makes the point you're making where, you know, you got to do a quick run now because we don't know if there's going to be a third year of it. And you might be stuck with the stuff on your shelves for a show you don't have. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly with that. But, you know, I, I think that, um, you know, you talked about those age differences sometimes, too, that if there's a, an attraction that was out there and, it, you know, you might think that you had to be at least 35 and above to remember it, um, 
you know, these YouTube videos are out there and, uh, you know, the coaster enthusiasts, even though they might not have ever ridden a certain ride uh, that maybe was at your park 20, 30 years ago, they certainly have heard about it. You know, they've watched videos of it. They've seen photos of it. So they have this this interest in this uh, attraction. They never experienced it, but they feel like they have just because they've seen so much out there now on social media and YouTube. Yeah, I think that's entirely possible. Now, let me ask you this. One thing that I saw at, um, at Cedar Point, which I thought was really cool, is they had a ton of nostalgic T-shirts. And some of them were kind of obvious choices, like, you know, Mantis, Demon mm-hmm. Drop, stuff like that, that people generally would remember. But they do a lot with Jumbo Jet, which was removed in, like, the early 70s. Um, I guarantee you that maybe 3% of the people that bought that shirt had ridden that ride or even seen that ride. Um, but they've heard right. about it. So, so what do you think the appeal is for something like that? It's just part of the park history. You know, you you want to you want to have a piece of that. So I think that falls in line with, you know, other things that are those nostalgia pieces that you see in a gift shop. Uh, the people they people just want to you know they just want to have a piece of of a park that they go to that's their home park or maybe their favorite park. You know, they they like the nostalgia piece of it. Yeah, I I, I agree with that. And um, and it's no different than you know, I mean, you go into the Reds gift shop now, and you know, you almost have to be over you know. 40-something, 45 years old to remember Pete Rose playing for the Reds. Yeah. But yet his jersey still sells. You know, the people that are like 19, 20, 25, I see them walking around wearing Rose jerseys or bench jerseys. Um, Larkin, Barry Larkin. And, you know, they, they never saw those those people play, but they heard about them. They've watched the videos. And I think it's the same thing in the in the theme park industry, museum park industry, where, uh, you know, everybody's heard about these things. And, uh, you know, they're they're you know, parents experienced it or the grandparents experienced it, you know, and they talked to them about it and, you know, they're just interested. Yeah, I, I agree. And I would argue that Cedar Point, especially at least since like 2019, since the um, introduction, shall we say, of their 150th celebration has done a fantastic job of marketing based off of their history. Uh, like I would say that you know, their their history was always so rich and I don't think a lot of people knew about it. And, um, and nowadays that they got t-shirts and stuff for rides that were torn down 15 years before I was even born, uh, and people are wearing them. So I, I think that's really cool. Yeah, it is. So, uh, and, and they do a great, like you said, they do a great job now, uh, you know, with their merchandise selection, you know, you can spend a lot of time in their gift shops, just looking at everything and then trying to decide what you want to take home. I agree. Um, and one of the things that I like about there and, and Dollywood actually, which are my other, other home parks, shall we say, is that, um, it's a blessing and a curse because at both of them, there's a, a lot of diversity in the shops. Like you can't go into two shops and find generally the same stuff. Um, which I think is awesome because it makes shopping an attraction, but at the same time, you know, at, at a lot of parks, it's kind of like, well, I'll just pick it up on the way out at whatever shop, you know, cause I don't want to carry this thing around. Um, so I, I think that's like an interesting dynamic. Um, let me ask you this, Don. So, um, Dollywood is, well, I know Cedar point too. They've got like, uh, like glass workers, candle makers and stuff. Um, I know that that's kind of an attraction in itself. Like that's not an argument, um, because they make them there, but does that stuff actually sell or is that more of an entertainment aspect? Well, I mean, if it didn't sell, they wouldn't be there, you know, doing those kind of things. So yeah, there's certainly a market for that. And it's kind of fun, uh, you know, to watch these items being, you know, created. It's one of the things I loved about like Winterfest when they have all the crafters and things, you know, they're, they're making things and it's kind of an attraction, you know, in the action at a park watching these, these items being made. I completely agree with that. Um, and, and, you know, I, 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 I agree that obviously people buy them, but I always wonder if like maybe, especially like, like who would buy a candle at a theme park? My, my fear would be that it would melt. I almost bought one as a gift and I was like, well, if I leave this like sitting somewhere in the sun, it's going to melt. But I don't know. I always thought that maybe it was subsidized or something, but you're probably right. There would be a point, you know, over the course of maybe five years where there's going to be some executive that steps in and says, this place is losing money. Can't we do something else? You know, um, you're right. So. 
as long as it works, as long as people are buying, you know, those things will be there. But that's a throwback for me when I see that happening because I can remember the very early days of Kings Island, the seventies, when they had, you know, those things, the wood carvers and things like that making making items. So you know, it's always fun for me to to see a park that's still doing those kind of things. Yeah, I mean, they made they had wood carvers up until. God, I mean, time's flying by, but it's probably 10 years ago now that they got rid of it um, at Kings Island. Because remember, it was next to the Fest House. Um, but I don't mm-hmm. know. I don't remember if they were making them there or if they were just selling them there in the end. There were things that they would make. You know, uh, Woody Harrelson used to work at, uh, at Kings Island yeah. as a woodcarver. Uh, and he did. There was a location that is now the shop when you exit Diamondback. So that's where he worked in that location so you know they were doing it yeah okay you know making those things and it was popular and you know everything has its time and everything comes back it's you know it runs in in cycles you know something that was there you know 10 years ago comes back and it's real popular today and then 10 years from that won't be there so um but it's fun to see just the the handmade you know type items that you can buy at a park i agree um i think it is really cool to see that sort of stuff Uh, i know king's island has a glass blower still uh, it's moved locations in my in my memory. You know, it was uh, on the right side of International Street as you enter. Now it's on the left side. But nonetheless, that dude's back and he's blowing glass. And I know there's always, you know, three or four people standing there watching him work, which to me would bother me. But it's been the same guy forever. So he's got to be used to it by now. Um, but uh, so, you know, getting back on the actual subject of uh, of merchandising and, and, you know, making these choices as to what to put out on the shelves. Um I don't know for sure. I've never worked in merchandising in a theme park, but I know that in all of my retail experiences, like through college and so on, one of the things you learn is that real estate is super valuable. So I imagine that's probably true 50 fold in theme parks because you only have like six merchandise shops and they're probably not that big. So how do you determine what you think is going to sell? Well, I think you know what your popular attractions are. You also look at trends just in, you know, retail in general. So if there's a certain style of shirt, you know, shorts, jacket, caps, anything like that, you know, you're using the trends, you know, what's popular out there and it translates uh, to a park. So if you see like a new era cap that's out there for baseball, football, you know, that's going to translate to to the theme park industry and you're going to put the names of, you know, rides and attractions or the park itself on there or shirt designs, uh, you know, jerseys. You know, that was a trend for a while, you know, not anymore, but it was, you know, maybe 10 years ago where these pinstripe jerseys, you know, you would put the name of the park on it or something and it looked like, you know, the New York Yankees or Mets jersey, but with the name of the park on it. So you just look at trends and, uh, you know, you, you put base, if you're seasonal, you know, you're going to make those orders in November, December, January for the next year. And uh, you're, so you're just looking at what's hot and it translates to the, the, the industry. Yeah. And unfortunately, this was pre-pandemic, but um, you probably remember a little thing called fidget spinners uh, and they were really popular. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it was really funny because, you know, there was a time when they became super popular overnight as, as you know, trends seem to do. And these little plastic things were 15 bucks, 20 bucks in some cases. Um, and I, a friend of mine that works in retail for uh, like an entertainment hotel, uh, like like a resort, uh, he was buying them. And he was saying, like buying them for, on behalf of the company. And he said that the experts are predicting that this trend will last until February of 2018 or something like that. So like they can almost pinpoint like when people are going to get tired mm-hmm. of this stuff. But thank God that was before the pandemic because it would have been a situation now with supply chain issues and stuff where it's really popular and nobody can get them. And now they're $50 each for this piece of plastic that's going to be worthless in three months. You know? <laughs> Yeah, but it's, I mean, it's the same thing. Like if you were working in a retail store, you know, what's hot, you you just follow the trends and you do the same thing with your park and it works. Yeah. Is there a, um, what kind of balance do you put between merchandise quality and value? Because you can certainly, let me give you an example. Like, so Bucky's, Bucky sells their, their shirts and their stuff very cheap, like I think the hoodie's $23, which, I mean, I remember when hoodies were $40 15 years ago, so that's half of that. But 
probably the quality isn't the best. It probably doesn't have staying power at that price. Um, is it important that people wear these things for years or is it more like it's important that they wear it while they're excited about it for the first couple months or whatever? There's a fine line there. I mean, if it's, if something doesn't hold up, they're not going to come back and buy something else just because they have experience with it. You know, it's like anything else. You go to a restaurant, whatever, if it's not good quality, you don't come back. So you do want it to be, you know, it has to be a certain level. Mm -hmm. Just so you can get the, the repeat business with it. And you do want them to wear those, you know, those items, uh, you know, for a while. Yeah. And you know what I, I would say, and I'm obviously not a decision maker in this, but I would say I would almost sacrifice at least a little bit of margin to up the quality, because if somebody buys a shirt for, um, you know, a Cedar Point shirt in August, September, and, you know, it comes T-shirt season again in April or May and they're wearing the T-shirt that might sell you some tickets. You know, you're a walking billboard on behalf of the park, you know? Um, Anytime you wear a piece of merchandise out there, you're a walking billboard, you know, cap, t-shirt, sweatshirt, jackets, you know, they've got, you know, people with shorts, sweatpants, whatever it is, you know? So yeah, you're a billboard out there. Yeah. That's why we wear Hawaiian shirts. Cause we just support one of the 50 States personally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Number 49 balanced out the flag. It's an important one. Um, yeah, 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 I completely agree. So, uh, you know, when we talk about purchasing, one of the things that's come to be, uh, and it seems like with some chains, it was weird because they launched this in like 2015, 2016, then it went away, and then it, the trend came back a couple years ago uh, before the pandemic, but thank God you had it during the pandemic, is online purchasing. Um, mm -hmm. Do you think that that's going to be continue to be an upward trend as far as the mix of business? I do. And I think that you're seeing some things that are available at these online stores that you cannot find in the park. Um, there are parks that, uh, you know, you're more of a destination. You're not just down the street, not something you're going to stop off after work and go buy something. Uh, so the online stores are even more important for those parks that maybe only visit once a year, maybe twice mm -hmm. a year. <clears throat> so I, I think that uh, the online business is, is going to be a big piece you know, moving forward for these parks and you've got fans all over the, you know, really the world, you know, for some of the bigger parks, you know, whether it's a seasonal chain park or it's the Disney or universal, you know, those types of parks. Um, so, I mean, you get guests from, from all over the world coming to your park and maybe they didn't buy something while they were there, but they're certainly going to, you know, get back home and, and, uh, you know, check it out and buy some items or maybe they're in a situation where they can never get there, but they're a big fan of, of a roller coaster. They've been watching it on YouTube, you know, and they just fall in love with the ride that way and they want something to represent. So, uh, yeah, I think that's, you know, just scratching the surface on what the online stores can be for the parks. Yeah. So, uh, two thoughts here. So, the first one is um, another use case that you didn't mention that I've actually used is, uh, like I mentioned earlier in the show, uh, my girlfriend's birthday is in July. When we go to, we usually go to Cedar Point twice in the early season, and she was just eyeing that Maverick uh, Squishmallow. She just loved it. She wanted it, but I couldn't buy it because I was with her. So I bought it through their online store right. as soon as we got home. It shipped me, and it was a surprise. But let me ask you this: and Let me play devil's advocate a little bit, because um, I, uh, you know, this is actually a conversation I had that was about uh, a, a dealing I did with a theme park. Um, but it, it, it's not completely related, but it, it definitely fits into the mold here. But, um, I was at Disney Springs. This is years ago, probably four or five years ago. We were down there on business and, um, one of our business partners, uh, like a third party partner that we were working with, well, we're walking around with him. And I said, you know, they've got Louis, but I don't know if they have Louis Vuitton, but you know, the kind of shops they have at Disney Springs, they're very up. I was like, mm -hmm. why would somebody buy a $2,000 purse? on vacation. Like, why wouldn't they make that purchasing decision at home? And he was like, no, no, no it makes perfect sense. And I was and why? And he said, because if you buy that item and you buy it on vacation, every time you see that item, you're going to mentally connect it to that vacation. So, um, I, I wonder if I, cause here's the thing. Like, I mean, I, well, there's that. Yeah. I, 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 you know, I go to Kings Island all the time. Um, so I probably won't remember when I bought this Phantom Theater shirt, but I will tell you that I remember the day I bought the Cedar Point mug, you know, because that was a unique experience. And I remember shopping and I loved the logo and I looked around and I couldn't figure out 
you know, which one I wanted to get. And I had to find something in my size and I found the perfect item, which was, I mean, I could tell you the whole story, you know, so you kind of lose that if you buy it with the online store, but the use cases that we mentioned probably offset that. It's just the people that people aren't choosing between buying in the park and buying online. Typically, I would argue that people either buy in the park as an impulse or, or whatever. Uh, and then if they have remorse for not purchasing, then they, um, you know, they buy online or, you know, if it's a gift. Oh, or exactly. Or they see something, you know, on social media or fan site of a, an item that's come in um, that they want. You know, it's got their attention and they're not going to be going back to that park, you know, maybe for a while or until the next year. Got to have it now. So that's going to spur those online sales, too. So you're seeing a lot of that through, you know, being driven through social media and in fan sites. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. Um, you know, I've actually got a, a text thread with some friends that watch uh, online stores for um, like Kings Island, Cedar Point, Disney World. And we we chat about it if something new comes out. Um, so oftentimes we're, <laughs> you know, the way that the cookie crumbles, it seems like, and I don't know if this is the official um, process or whatever, but it seems like it comes out on uh, the online store. And then it takes a few days to get into the normal store, which is probably just a production thing or a shipping thing. But we always eagerly anticipate the new stuff coming out if we want it. Um, but Don, let me ask you this. So you've been, you've been around to a couple parks here and there. What are some of your favorite items you've actually purchased, uh, from a theme park? Well, for me, um, I would always get the t-shirts of, you know, my favorite rides there if they had you know, those kind of shirts, uh, especially if it was a new attraction. You know, if I was at, say, Bush Gardens, you know, and Alpengeist was opening that year, you know, I wanted an Alpengeist shirt. Um, I'm big on those posters that are now out there, you know, made-to-thrill posters of uh, park uh, attractions. Some of them are, you know, what they do really well, too, is it's not just the current rides. There's also the historical piece of it, of attractions that are gone. So I'm a real big fan of those made-to-thrill posters, the different series that parks do with that, and caps. Uh, I was a big cap collector, you know, back in the, the 80s and 90s. And, um, you know, I'd go into to one of the shops, and whether it was the name of the park on it or a ride, uh, you know, there was always a cap or two or five during that year that I would buy. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, I completely agree. I'm not... Shot glasses. Yeah, yeah. I used shot to collect a lot of shot glasses from parks. I'm, I don't wear a lot of uh, like theme park t-shirts and stuff like that, um, mainly because I'm not... Like when I ran KI Central and stuff, I was never very comfortable with people coming up to me that I didn't know that would be like, oh, yeah, I love the site and you do such a great job. And it's like, you guys run that. I just make sure it doesn't catch fire. So I, you know, I, I try not to identify with parks so much. Um, that's changed recently, obviously, about the Phantom Theater shirt. But um, I love shot glasses. I love tumblers. Um, actually, let me just show you some of the stuff. Okay. So. You're going to start collecting coffee mugs now, Yeah, aren't you? yeah. Um, but I, I also, I see so many hats I like. And I always kind of like, I never wear hats. I always wish I was a hat guy so I could like get a hat. But, you know, I wasn't a coffee drinker until last week. And here we are. But um, I showed this really quickly. But this is my mug from Cedar Point's 150th celebration. This is one of my favorites. Uh, for those of you who are listening, it's got the 150th logo in the Cedar Point skyline. It's a Tervis tumbler. Um, but this was awesome. It really called my name. I actually have never used it. I use it as a display piece on my, on my shelves. So I love that. Um, this is probably my favorite. But I've got the 50th anniversary Golden Eiffel Tower from Kings Island. Mm -hmm. uh, I bought almost every 50th item that Kings Island sold for the record. And this is my favorite. Um, but this one I actually pre-ordered because I, I knew that it wouldn't sell out. But I thought that it might. So I pre-ordered it. Um, and it's just, I, I wanted, I've wanted an Eiffel Tower for about 15 years that looked more like the one at Kings Island and less like the one in Paris. And this one fits the bill enough. You know, so uh, this is one of my favorites. I love this thing. I actually kept the box and everything too. Um, and then here's another one that I really like. Um, these coast, uh, what are these? These are Print My Ride. The coaster yeah, cutouts. Yeah, Coaster Cutouts. Yeah, coaster print My cutouts. Ride is the, the name of the company, but I've got the Vortex one here. The thing I like about these is they're always so much bigger than you imagine them to be. Like this thing's huge. It's like, here's my hand and, you know, so that's pretty cool. Um, but I, I like that because... I do, um, you know, I, to me, I wasn't, I'm not a big like arrow looper fan in, at my age, 
uh, except for maybe Loch Ness Monster. But this is the quintessential steel roller coaster car to me. When I think of a steel roller coaster, this is it. Uh, so every time I see this, I, I think of parks. So that's that's really kind of cool, you know. And then obviously the the Phantom Theater shirt was is another favorite of mine because that's just that's just wild that they have that. So that's really cool. Um, I don't. Yeah, we're a little different. Like I was always in the '80s wearing. Uh, park t-shirts you know with something on it and it was what was new usually so i remember you know getting the whitewater canyon t-shirts the king cobra t-shirts the bat t-shirts the beast t-shirts the backwards racer t-shirts you know so all those different things that was my wardrobe uh, pretty much through the 80s that's really cool how much of that stuff do you still have all really? of it doesn't fit but i have all of it <laughs> of course um okay cool Awesome. All right. Well, that was a pretty interesting conversation about merchandise of all things, but Don, do you have any final thoughts? You know, the one thing that, um, you know, as exciting as the merchandise lines are now out there at parks is I still think that, you know, there needs to be more awareness, you know, for it, whether that's using a mobile app to drive traffic, uh, into the stores, you know, with special offers or something for guests in the park, um, you know, using your, your email newsletters to promote, you know, the merchandise, social media. I just think there needs to be, you know, more awareness that it's there. You know, everybody's getting in there with the food and promoting all the different things like that or special events. Uh, but the one thing that I think needs to be elevated more uh, just with the awareness is, is the merchandise because there's a lot of exciting pieces out there. I, I completely agree. Um, I love it. I love where it's going. So just as a, a you know, a thought factor. Let's, let's do this. Let's do like a thought game kind of thing real quick before we get to the pick six. If there was one merchandise item, uh, from any park that you can, I don't care if it's Disney or Kings Island, Coney Island, wherever one item that you've ever thought of, like, man, if they had that, I would spend good money on it. Have you ever thought about that? And what would it be if you, if you have, of course. Well, back in the day, you know, maybe it was, um, like a watch, that's a good idea. And, you know, you know, something like that where, you know, the hands were, um, and, I, and I saw this at Disney World when I first went there the first time uh, back in the 90s. And it, each of the, you know, the 12 o'clock to 3 o'clock to 5 o'clock to 9 o'clock were the characters. You know, so Mickey was on one, Donald Duck was on another, Cinderella was on one. You know, I, I thought that was really cool. So something like that, I think, you know, now you know, with phones and that, that you carry around, you know, nobody's really wearing a watch these days, but I think back in the day, that would have been something that, you know, would have really appealed to me would to be, have a uh, watch with the different logos of your, your signature attractions on it instead of the numbers. See, I, I agree to an extent, but I, I disagree with your statement that not a lot of people are wearing watches because watches are more popular than ever. The smart watches are. So, so one product that you, you just spurred this in my head was, I think a lot of parks need Apple watch bands and galaxy watch bands and stuff because mm -hmm. it's it's very difficult to make cases like even like disney world i haven't checked this in the last couple of years but i remember i really wanted a disney world case and i looked at their online store and all their stuff was from the previous generation iphone um but i i get this i get a new phone every year i'm i'm a I'm a nerd like that, but um, they didn't have it for my current phone. They just had it for the previous generation, but the watch bands have been the same for 10 years now. So that would be a really cool product. I would totally go for one that um, has like, it's got a cool, just, just doesn't just say the park name or something, but one with a really cool design. I would spend, I'd spend good money on that. Let's put it that way. Yeah. And before we get to the pick six, while we're on the, the merchandise, if you're a fan of the attraction group podcast, we have Attraction Group Podcast t-shirts available, white, the ash gray color. If you're interested in, in getting one, uh, just message us on Twitter. Again, that is attractions underscore GRP with our Twitter handle. And, uh, you know, we'll let you know what the, uh, you know, the price is. Just tell us your size that you want. We'll tell you the price. We'll get all your information and uh, we'll get those shirts shipped out to you. And you can proudly wear an Attractions Group Podcast t-shirt. Yeah, yeah, that'd be cool. You'd look very stylish. Well, in addition to that, um, while you're on Twitter, since you're there anyway, why don't you tweet at us at Attractions underscore GRP and tell us what your favorite piece of theme park merchandise is actually better off send us a picture tweet it at us we'd love to see it um love yeah, to see we'd love it. to love see to that see okay so my item by the way is uh that they should sell in every theme park is an attractions group podcast t-shirt no seriously um so i want to see a um like a phantom theater diorama 
that's like well made like a porcelain thing that's like the ballroom scene and it has like all the characters it doesn't have to move or anything like that but like a nice shelf sitter i know that um magic or not magic kingdom um i'm blanking here haunted mansion they've got similar products Mm -hmm. to that not exactly that but they've got like um i've got a friend that has a a um uh haunted mansion like candle holder thing so it looks like Haunted Mansion on the outside, but on the inside, it, like you can put candles in there and like it'll make stuff spin or, or whatever. Um, so I would love to see a diorama like that. I, w- I would spend a pretty fair amount of money for something like that. So that would be pretty cool. Yeah, that'd be cool. Awesome. Cool. All right. Well, without further ado, it's now time for the pick six. Don, why don't you take the first one? All right, Ryan. Peppa Pig. They broke ground in Texas on the new park that's going to be there. It's in uh, the northern part of the state. It's the second Peppa Pig theme park underway in North Texas. Um, you know, the, I think the location it fits that North Richland Hills area in Texas. They're going to be hiring this year. Um, you know, rides, interactive attractions, shows. Um, you know, just just a lot of fun things from the world of Peppa Pig, and it's exciting to see that ground has been broken and that uh, this park, you know, will be underway. Yeah, my nephew uh, is not quite two yet. He's a big Peppa Pig fan. I'd never heard of it um, until the Lego Land Park, well, but yeah, he's really into it. That's where I heard of it too. That was my introduction. Was the Lego Land? Yeah, there's a ton of like children's IP and stuff that you and I would not heard of because I, I don't have any kids and yours is like almost married now. So there's that, you know, <laughs> she's probably not watching Peppa Pig, but maybe someday she'll have somebody in the house that will watch no. Peppa Pig. All right. Uh, let's get with number two. So here's an interesting one that kind of relates to what we're talking about, but we're talking about Disneyland this time. Uh, Disneyland shut down Toy Story Mania 4D uh, without any kind of uh, announcement or anything like that. So uh, very little information on this, but I thought it was worth noting because Toy Story Mania is a hugely popular ride. Uh, one of my favorites, at least at Hollywood Studios, um, and it's kind of a shooting game slash dark ride thing, obviously themed to Pixar's Toy Story, which is a 1995 or 1996 film that's become a whole franchise. But uh, they shut the ride down, no announcement, and it hasn't been open for uh, several days now. So... What are your thoughts on that? You know, surprising. Like you said, it was without an explanation, so nobody knows if it's just being refurbished, going to reopen, it's going to be totally something different. Uh, so just a lot of question marks about it. But, you know, guests of all ages, you know, they love those characters. You know, there's Woody, there's Buzz Lightyear, Mr. Potato Head, you know, Slinky Dog. Um, you know, it's a pretty drastic change, you know, whatever they're going to do there. Uh, with that, you know, it's one of their most valuable properties. So it was very surprising to see this come about without any type of explanation for what's going on. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm willing, I'm going to walk out on a limb here, Don. Now I'm willing to say it's not going to be a long closure. It's probably something they need to repair, but they just can't have the ride open because if it was going to be a several month or several even week rehab, they'd probably let you know about it. It's probably pretty eminent that it's going to open. So a uh, little clickbaity on the article, I must admit, but uh, it's an interesting fact because um you know, it's people kind of think about the infallibility of Disney and uh, at least the theme parks in a lot of cases, and they have problems like everybody else, you know? What's the next one, Yeah, they do. Well, there's an area of Universal Studios Hollywood that uh, we've learned is built on the top of an old parking garage. Uh, you know, it's a little bit risky there when you think about that being kind of uh, in an area where there's frequent earthquakes and things like that. Uh, you know, but it's in there, what they call the super silly fun land in the park it's in the upper like an upper lot if you've been to that park uh, so it's kind of an interesting thing to to hear about that it's built on top of that yeah i i was surprised to see that as well i've never been into universal studios hollywood big time on my bucket list we discussed it super mario world and so on but um that park is very interestingly laid out i know that it's famous for its very long escalators if anything uh but i gotta mm-hmm. make it out there have you been there I have not been to that uh, park. I wanted to go when I was out there. It was years ago, but it was 2003 Stanley Cup Finals when the Anaheim Ducks were in it against the New Jersey Devils. And it really came down to did I want to see you know, a Dodgers game and a Padres game while I was in the area, or did I want to go to Universal Studios Hollywood, and I picked the baseball games. Hmm. 
I'm not entirely certain if that's a good choice, but it's the choice you made nonetheless. All right. Well, I love Dodger Stadium, so I, I had no regrets. Dodger Stadium was really, really fun. Yeah. Well, Dodger, yeah, I'd love to go to Dodger Stadium someday. Okay, so uh, number four. So uh, back to the queen of theme parks and the queen of my heart, Miss Dolly Parton. So she's going to be doing a special uh, giveaway for her Imagination Library's 200 millionth book given away. Huge milestone, 200 million books. I even know people personally in this market that have gotten books from the Imagination Library from Dolly Parton. Uh, but they're going to, whoever gets the 200 millionth book is going to get a personal call from Dolly Parton. How cool would that be? Even when I was like small enough to know or to get Imagination Library books, I knew who Dolly Parton was. But just imagine if it's somebody that like has been to Dollywood and stuff and they get a call from Dolly Parton. I think that'd be cool. Yeah, it's gonna be that would be really cool, and you know that is something that um, you know whoever gets that call, they're gonna remember for the rest of their life, and they're gonna tell their their friends and you know um, everybody about it, and uh, you know that's just you know something that doesn't happen to everybody. You know, you're not gonna not too many people can say they got a call from Dolly, so it's uh, gonna be really cool. But again, two hundred million. That is a huge number. Yeah, that's a lot of books, and she she does a lot of good in you know around Sevier County and all around the world, all around Tennessee and onward. But God bless Dolly; she's she's our favorite. Okay, uh, what's number five, Don? We have Six Flags New England. They're going to have their largest summer celebration ever. They've got nine uh, firework celebration nights. Those are starting now through August twenty fifth. It's got live music, a specialty food, and of course the fireworks. So, uh, you know, you're seeing more and more parks doing these these fireworks celebrations, and Six Flags New England, the latest to jump on board with that. But it sounds like a really, you know, if you if you uh, live in that area and you know, maybe you have a season pass, that uh, you know this is going to be something you're going to want to see and experience. Yeah, great park. The question though is, do they have drones? I don't think they do. Did not see drones anywhere that I that I looked when I was reading different stories about mm -hmm. it. Um, maybe they add those in the future, but you know a lot of parks. It's you know, you know we grew up you know here in in the, in the greater Cincinnati area. You know, and you go to Kings Island and some other parks, and they're either you know traditional nightly or they were you know Memorial Day, Labor Day, Fourth of you know Fourth of July, those types of things. And you know, so you saw them. You know, we were around them a lot. But there are some parks that never have them. And uh, this is uh, going to be a big deal for the the guests in that New England area. Yeah, I mean, that, that kind of brings up, um, you know, speaking of, you know, we talk about trends and merchandise and stuff. Uh, it, it happens with entertainment theme parks, too, because right now the big thing that's white hot and, and several parks are striking it while it's hot is drones, night drone shows. And they're spectacular. And they'll be spectacular for maybe another year. And then it'll become normal. Uh, before that, it was the pixel mapping. We talked about that in our episode about Christmas celebrations. You know, the lights that can change color and dance to the music. Yeah. Like, remember that one when that was like a, a marvel. That was huge. And I remember when lasers were first introduced, too. So, yeah, I would say that the, 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 the thing that was before the pixel mapping was projection mapping. So think of like, um, you know, ha Halloween Horror Nights at Universal, how they make it look like the buildings are falling and stuff. Uh, that's yeah. hard to do though. That, that's very, that's more difficult than the other two, I would argue, but, uh, no one does it anymore. Not on a mass scale because it's just not impressive. Disney does it very well and, and Universal still does, but you know, you don't see that a lot anymore, but I wonder what the next thing will be. You know, it's going to be an episode here next year, the year after where we talking about the latest trend for the night show with the lasers that shoot the birds that shoot the dolphin, you know? Yeah, exactly. You know? But I love the nighttime shows at parks. You know, it's a reason to, you know, stay until close when you know that they've got something that uh, is going to be special like that going on. Yeah, I completely agree. I love nighttime shows. All right. Last one. Number six. Bush Gardens, Tampa. Um, the retiring Sand Serpent, their wild mouse coaster. Have you ridden Sand Serpent? I have. Uh, I think we've got to what, July 9th mm -hmm. to experience it. Great, great family coaster. A lot of fun. Uh, but, you know, after nearly two decades, you know, it, it's going to make way for an exciting new addition uh, in that area of the park. I believe it's the, uh, what, Pantopia area where that's located. 
so, you know, you hate to see rides go, but kind of excited about, uh, you know, what they might be able to do there. Yeah, my understanding, yeah, July 9th, I can confirm that. Uh, but my understanding is that it is almost certainly making way for something new, which is kind of exciting in itself. You know, because mm-hmm. I hate to see rides torn down, um, but there is a certain excitement where there are some rides when it's like, hey, we've been waiting for this. But there are other rides where it's kind of like, it's passe, nobody rides it, so they're, they're going to tear it down, and it's almost like, they got to have something planned, you know, but I think this is one of those right. instances, you know? Um, so that's kind of exciting. I, I haven't been to Bush gardens, Tampa in probably 10 years now, but I'll have to make it back out there. They've got that big RMC and stuff that we want to play with. Right. Yes. And, uh, you know, that's one of my favorite parks is Bush gardens, Tampa. And if I had an annual pass to, Disney World, like, or, you know, the Disney parks like you have, I would certainly be adding a annual pass for Busch Gardens Tampa, because if I was in the area, I'd want to make sure that I also visited that park. I mean... So add that to your yeah, list. Yeah. Um, well, we're looking at Universal as well. We're debating that. Um, the problem that, that we're having... Why don't you just get all three? Just get Busch Gardens, get Universal, well, you know, get SeaWorld, get them all. Um, that may not be out of the realm of possibility, to be honest with you, because SeaWorld's right there. So even if we just go to SeaWorld, like you're getting its worth, but uh, I've never, or I haven't been to Busch Gardens Tampa in like 10 years. The girlfriend's never been there. Um, so I don't know. I just, I don't know if we would go down there enough to be able to do it without rushing. You know, there's no relaxation element to it. The Disney thing's going to be bad enough because even in the two trips that we go, uh, you know, in a couple, several weeks and then uh, in the fall, we're not going to be able to do everything, you know? So, but I don't know what I'll I'll think about it. (laughs) I'll let you know. You know, what's going to be next, Ryan, you're going to have the annual pass and then you're going to add universal and that to Mm it. You're going to find yourself going down there more and more. And the next thing, you and your girlfriend are going to decide, hey, why don't we just move to Orlando? We spend so much time there. I would see it as we would go down there for a weekend trip and just not come back. That's probably the way it's going to end up. Cool. All right. Well, um, yeah. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. A little bit of a shorter episode, but it's summer, so go outside. Uh, except for if you're in most of the U.S. because the air quality is terrible right now because of that Canadian wildfire. So hope everyone's doing okay with that. My, For some reason, my allergies are on fire today, and I, I'm wondering if it's related to that somehow. Uh, but make sure that you subscribe on your favorite podcast apps. Uh, Subscribe on YouTube. YouTube's a lot of fun. Uh, tweet us at attractions underscore GRP. Uh, as Don said, shoot us a PM if you're interested in a t-shirt. Uh, we also still have those sponsorship opportunities available if you want to shoot us a PM. We have stuff in the works, but we do still have stuff available. So really appreciate it. Don, thank you for co-hosting once again. Yeah, it's always a good time talking with you. I mean, we both share that uh, you know common interest in, in the industry and it's just always fun every week when we get together and do this. It, it is a good time. But thanks, everyone. Enjoy your summer. And I'm not acting like we're signing off for the rest of the summer. We'll be back next week. But, <laughs> but enjoy. Episode 50 next week. Episode 50 and, and it's 4th of July week. So we have to talk. Maybe we'll talk about 4th of July celebrations next week. We Can we shoehorn that in for our 50th? We can. Let's talk about who, which park did it best. Oh, that's a good idea. We'll, we'll have a battle of the parks. It'll be like the NCAA tournament. Okay, cool. Awesome. Well, thanks, Don. Thank you, everybody, for listening, and have a good night.